1: Hello and welcome to the, another episode of the Solar Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett, and you know, you know, you look around the world today, and it looks like things are going to hell in a handbasket in a lot of ways. <laughs> and uh, you, know, you got COVID; we're coming on the backside of COVID. Uh, inflation, yeah, you know, raised its head again, and you know, we seem to be wrestling that one to the ground a little bit. Um, but you know, yeah, yeah. Layoffs are occurring again. I mean, none of this is new news in any way, shape, or form. Uh, it's just part of the human condition of being alive on this planet. Stuff happens and stuff recedes. It c- comes up, it goes back. But one of the things that I think is important for us, and this is where I want to you know really you know focus this episode, is on how do we position ourselves to thrive in the midst of what a lot of folks might seem. Or might think seems to be uh, catastrophic circumstances, um, and my experience in, in in working with the folks that I work with, you know, we too quickly get captured by external circumstances, and you know, kind of decide that because of the external circumstances, we are limited in what we can do and how we can actually show up on the planet. And there could not be more. In my estimation, ways to refute that, then I can, <laughs> you yeah, know, your external circumstances do not dictate in any way, shape, or form your experience of living this life on this planet today or what your future is going to be. And the guest I've got on the show today um, is somebody that is actually an expert in this. And he's got a book that just, just dropped, uh, just came out called Thriving in the Storm. And when this came across my desk, I went, ooh, ooh, I got to have him on the show. Uh, because uh, Bill Murphy you know, really has dialed this in. He really knows how to speak to this. And what the this is that I you know, am, am you know, looking forward to having a conversation about is how do we thrive in the midst of what appears to be a storm? And, and part of that for me has to do with recognizing that I'm not a victim of anything in life. Life happens for me. It doesn't happen to me. And Bill has got a way to work with this, and he's got, I think, a very uh, interesting approach to this. So I want to just welcome Bill Murphy to the show.
0: Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, it is absolutely my pleasure, my friend. Um, yeah, you've done a lot of stuff, and you know, and I want to just kind of touch on a couple of things here. You've raised over half a million dollars for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. You support a number of charities. Um, you've got a... a, a, a a new foundation that you've just put together that is uh, you know, now functioning, uh, called the Thrive Foundation, which is not coincidentally consistent with your message. Um, but yeah, your background in psychology and the way that you actually approach how people live life and navigate perturbation, yeah, you know, upset, is, is is something that I think is going to be very useful for our listeners to 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 work with today. So. If you are looking for an opening here, here it is. Yeah. How did you, how did you come up with this? Where, where are you going with it? And what can people legitimately do to get in front of circumstances?
0: Yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of things we can do to get in front of circumstances. You said it, it's um, earlier, it, it's, or maybe we'll be off camera, but we, we, when we have a situation um, and we react rather than respond, that reaction is usually going to hit the pause. And it's not always favorable. And now you set yourself up for a a poor reaction. Um, So I really think it's important to uh, hit the pause button before we react to anything. Um, And so I want to talk a little bit about, you know, playing, playing the victim is when things happen, like you said, when things happen to us, how how are we responding, not reacting? And when we are in victim victim mentality, it's very easy not to put our feet on the floor in the morning and get out of bed and give ourselves a convenient subconscious excuse not to do things because you're down and out or or you're depressed or you're sad or you're anxious or you're hostile and angry or you're upset at the, the day before or you know, just stuff that was that you talked about external circumstances, your external circumstances. So what can you do about it immediately to to, to flip the switch and uh, and move forward and take action? Is just what am I grateful for? Where 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 am I thankful and what are my blessings? And those things are free. You don't <laughs> need to be making six figures, seven figures, eight figures to, to figure that out it's free. The blessings and the health of my family, the roof over my head, my wonderful career, my, my, my wonderful friends, my, my social groups, my community, it's all free stuff that you can be grateful for. And the second you do that, it actually changes your your physiological uh, being um, because you take those feelings of despair, doubt, sadness, anger, whatever. And now you start to just you start to feel a little bit more euphoric. You start to feel a little bit more purposeful, and then you can put your feet on the floor and move and take action, and then get a, go about your day. And that usually in, incorporates a lot of morning routine stuff
1: right. um,
0: to do it. But at least that's the start because there's a there's some research I, I was just checking on worry. Right? I was I was doing a talk on worry. Um, of our worry thoughts are are usually how we start our day. We're thinking it. Now, if you ever practice this in the morning, just just think about what you normally think about. You usually think about, oh my goodness gracious, I have all these problems ahead or I have all these things I have to tackle. Like how am I possibly going to do this or this issue happened and this issue happened? And then you start that vicious cycle and it's just worry, 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 worry. 90% of those things don't happen and the 10% of the things that do happen of your worries aren't as bad as they ever was were supposed to be or seen. And then to take that a step further, eighty five percent of those worry thoughts we think the next day. <laughs> so we gotta break that cycle and it's it, it's it's a it's a deliberate practice, but for those listeners, if you want to try this, immediately gauge or write down or whatever the thoughts that come to you in the morning. And if you do that, you'll catch yourself thinking about some of the some of the things you have angst about that uh, of the, of your scheduled day um it's it's a, it's a it's really a practice that can work and and change your outlook and even how you start the day
1: you know uh, as you're talking about this bill uh you know just the thought that flips through my mind here has to do with how most people actually engage life and they do it accidentally it's it's, yeah. it's without premeditation without a thoughtful way of engaging and, and it's engaging that I'm yeah, bringing to the table here um how I engage anything I mean how I begin anything you know, the beginnings usually you know, portend the rest of the uh, the way that uh, whatever the thing is is going to unfold and it's the beginning and and those of you that are listening I mean, I mean yeah I would be willing to bet one of my last dollars that, you know, you've got some sort of a morning ritual that you engage in, or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast, um, particularly if you're a regular listener. But the idea of, you know, beginning with gratitude, this is something I've done for years. I mean, you know, an old friend of mine, dear, dear mentor, you know, passed away at the first of this year, Bob Proctor, you know, kind of Sorry. drilled this into me. Uh, said blank. Yeah, gratitude. Everything starts with gratitude. 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 And <laughs> he would just keep coming back. And what's beautiful about gratitude, and I want to just kind of check this in your in your thinking here. It's impossible for me to be grateful for something that I don't experience having. Okay. So gratitude is an acknowledgement that I have this. Now here's where this gets to be interesting. Having something is a, is a state of consciousness. It's not a state of having physicality with, with the thing. I have abundance in my life. I'm grateful for the abundance in my life. I look at my bank account and it may say yeah, something other than abundance, but I'm grateful for abundance and I'm not held captive by and reactive to that number that shows up in my checkbook. The gratitude of abundance is a, is a supposition that it already exists. It already exists in my experience. I feel it. Now, that is something that I think you actually speak to in, in, in your book, uh, if I'm not mistaken. You know, thriving in the storm, you know, beginning with gratitude. It's already happened, whatever it is in the positive sense, I just haven't arrived. You know that port. And I and I love the sailing metaphor. That port in the storm, it's out there. It really does exist. Calm water and calm seas and fair winds exists over there. I may not be in the midst of it right now, but I hold that place and I'm grateful for that. That port. How does that comport with? Yeah, no, no pun intended here. How does that comport with uh, your take on things?
0: So the flip side of that is lack. Um, just when you talk about that i mean you you have these things in your consciousness or physically that you're thankful for but if you want to be in that victim mentality that we talked about it's the worry of the lack or the scarcity mentality mm-hmm. i don't have this um i you know i'm in real estate i'm in, I'm in, I'm in the mortgage lending business and we're at 40 year high inflation rates we're at 25-year interest rates. We're at uh, yeah, decade low inventory levels and of, of houses. And I could focus on all of those things which a lot of my, my peers in this industry are right now, and they're leaving the business. I'm saying, okay, this, this is not ideal. Um, and it, you know, if we're being honest, it's pretty terrible. However, it's a huge opportunity to take market share with everybody vacating the business because they don't have that thriving mentality now where's all the opportunity you have it's right there with people being upset victim mentality leaving the business getting laid off what whatever the case may be but it's more of an opportunity i'm doing things that i haven't done in 25 years now yeah that because i'm not above that it's necessary so when you've been in business for years highly successful you know sometimes you have to go back to the very basics as advanced <laughs> as you are to get stuff done you can't you can't say you know what i did that 25 years ago i'm not about to go back there or i'd get out of the business well guess what you just took on a victim mentality a scarcity mentality and an arrogance to some degree. That yeah. there's no there there's there's no thriving with arrogance. It'll catch up with you eventually. Well so you know you have you're, to hum- I was gonna say it, humble.
1: Yeah, yeah. Humility comes into play. Yeah, I'm, I'm humble enough to go back to the beginning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and one of the ways that I've defined success is it's developing the capacity to continuously start over. If I haven't developed that muscle, yeah. I look up one day and go, well, what happened? Well, the, the people started over and they, you know, they went in a new direction with it and and left you kind of, you know, back here. The idea, I mean, I remember, you know, John, John Wooden, you know, the great UCLA mm-hmm. basketball coach. Yeah. Yeah. And Lou Alcindor uh, at the time, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, yeah. Bill Walton yeah. going, okay. Yeah. Cause you know, Bill, yeah. Um, he he would say, um, you got to tie your shoes. Yeah. Tie, I'm going to teach you how to tie your shoes. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm 20 years old. I know how to tie my shoe. No, we go back to the basics tie your shoe. I don't want anybody getting blisters. And UCLA's offense at that time was a fast break off, you know, offense. I mean, it was, you know, you know, you don't win, you know, what, 12 national championships back to back uh, no. yeah. without knowing how to continuously start over.
0: And each team he started over with. He did. And the beauty of that story is, that hit this is leadership and you mentioned leadership earlier hit hit wooden's teams were never beyond the shoe tying of the first business of the the first business i said but of the first practice when he made him do it over and it was actually put your socks on right and your shoes yes and uh, yeah i love that it's one of my it's one of it's one of my favorite exercises ever reading Um, So when everything goes
1: sideways for me, I always look at, okay, where do I need to start over again? Yeah. Yeah, What do do I need to relearn? What do I need to let go of? What do I need to learn new? Yeah. Those sorts of things. And the idea, uh, you know, you, you've got black belts in a martial arts discipline. That's actually uh, um, uh, a a fairly uh, unique uh, discipline. Yeah. Krav Maga. Yeah. Um, And, and I've practiced in the dojo with Aikido oh okay and so the idea of you know, you're, you're talking about the distinction between reacting and and uh responding here i remember in the, uh when i was in the dojo years ago in japan uh watching my sensei uh during a rondori. i mean you yeah. got people coming at him all over the place and this guy's you know rudolf nuriev you know barishnikov he's out there just doing the moves and just elegant and mm. At the end of the, the Rondori, I said, you know, sensei, uh, my broken Japanese here, how do you stay centered? I mean, you're, you're, con- you're, you're completely centered the whole time. He looked at me with a little twinkle in, he, uh, in his eye and he says, yeah, I'll grasshopper, so to speak. Yeah, I'll grasshopper. I'm not always centered. I know where my center is and I can mm-hmm. come quickly back to it. And that's my source of power. I know where my center is and I can quickly come back to it. When I'm knocked off, yeah, and, and he said, I'm I'm knocked off balance a lot. I've got 14 people coming at me all at once. Yeah. Mm. How do I recover? And this is the, the response reacting. Yeah. When I'm kicked into reaction, I'm off balance. And the only move I've got when I'm off balance in a reactive state is to overcompensate instead of yeah. pause, recenter, turn, face, and move.
0: Yeah. Um, so very, very similar um in in Kramaga. Um you know, I, I actually talk about this as well and you said stay centered. I love that. Um my my mine is the I practice the pause, but during the over if you're feeling overwhelmed, but whether so, there's a somebody's mounting you or in a headlock or you're on ground or whatever, or just you have people coming at you and you're people people tense up. When you tense up you when you're feeling overwhelmed, you tense up. Then you use so much energy that you have no cardiovascular capacity anymore. And you really haven't done anything. You're just gassed. So, what I tell everybody, and this is what I practice, is even though you're in it, breathe. Deep breath in. <laughs> that's a novel in, idea. <laughs> just breathe. So, that's the center. That's what you're talking yep. about, the center. Yep. So, when, and this is how I practice the pause. Now, I used to fat finger that keyboard in business the second uh, an email that came across me sideways that i i didn't agree with you know years ago and you know what i'm like okay what are we going to do here and that 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 changes your physiology physiology as well and it grounds you and now you can think clearly and you can also get your wind back if you're if you're if you're in it physically as well um you know i was i was we were doing some some exercises. And and there was a gal that she's like, I get claustrophobic and I, and I get overwhelmed and she's a black belt. And, you know, and when, when she's like, I just got to tap out, I got to stop. And I said, no, just practice breathing. It, it's not, it's not as bad as it seems just breathe. And then she, she just recently told me, she said, since you've told me to breathe, I don't get overwhelmed anymore. And I'm able to get, regain my composure. Yeah. So it works, it works in life and, and it works if, if you've got 14 people coming at you, a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, it does, I mean, it, it, it taps into the vagus nerve, it settles that, you know, the parasympathetic system, and, and, and we're off to the races from there. We're gonna take a real quick break. When, I, when we yeah. come back, you know, uh, Bill, I wanna I want go into some detail with some of the material in your book, beginning with, you know, what you say is the critical first step to thriving in any storm, which is identifying your why. And I want to get a uh, a bit of an understanding of what you mean by your why. I think I've got a pretty good sense of that. But I want to be able to expand on that. So we're going to take a real quick break, folks, talking to Bill Murphy and how to thrive in a storm. So we'll talk in a little bit. I want to thank you for listening. Um, I want to also invite you right now to go to blainebartlett.com and on that site which is my personal website you'll see uh, services up on the top menu i'd like you to click on leadership mastermind now why i want you to do that is we have a, a structured a mastermind program that is very unusual and it is very powerful and by going onto that site and clicking that link you'll be taken to a landing page That is an invitation to join this mastermind. It's a 52-week-long exploration of what it takes to be a highly effective leader in today's fast-changing environment. You won't regret it. And if you've been liking what you've been listening to on these Soul of Business podcasts, how does one become a leader that can keep connection to the soul of business? That's what we look at. That's what we're about in this mastermind program so again go to blainebartlett.com and click on the services link and there you'll find the link to the leadership mastermind program look forward to seeing you there thanks for listening to this little commercial and now back to our show welcome back folks um just before we took a break i had uh Positioned, yeah, you know, with Bill, uh, something that I wanted to explore, which was, yeah, you know, why identifying your why is, from his perspective, a critical first step of thriving in any storm. And uh, Bill, I'm just going to, you know, toss you the floor here, and uh, let's see where we go because you've got some very interesting things around this. I think, All right, that are going to be worth. Yeah.
0: worth well, so if your why is compelling enough, and, and and people get, they don't start because they don't have. The action plan in place or they don't know where to start if your why is compelling enough and that is your vision and that is your goal the how will take care of itself so just begin to go towards that target um and h- here's the other thing and I, and I, I find this with with co- coaching some some of the folks over the years is they're married to their why that they had 20 years ago that you that have to be you you have to be open minded to evolve that. Why? Now, when I got in business, I didn't have any kids. I was just so competitive that I wanted to be everybody on that sales scoreboard, and I was just going to outwork you, I'll grit you, I'll grind you, and just push forward because I wanted to be there, and I, I I was hungry monetarily, and I wanted to I wanted to experience I wanted to experience life with that. Well, when when we have a family. That why changes mm-hmm. now. Now it's I need to provide a life and and not only provide the life, whether it's monetarily or um, more importantly for me, it was monetarily. But I wanted to model a good work ethic. I wanted to model for my for my kids um, appropriate boundaries um, to get it done. And so that that has been been my why over the last 20, 22 years, my, my oldest son is 22. I have a 19 year, a 19 and a 16 year old daughters. And now my why is I've enjoyed some success in business. Right. And now my why is legacy. And we talked earlier about the thrive foundation. So we do a lot of charity work. We give back. And, and that was part of the why the modeling piece But now it's transitioned into significance. You can be successful, but are you significant? Like successful, I think, is more individualistic. Mm -hmm. Significant is for the greater good and how you're empowering others, how you're impacting the community. So that's kind of not my new why that has developed over the last couple of years. And that's why we came up with a nonprofit. That's why I wrote the book. I mean, I get really deep and personal and vulnerable where, you know, I had some close friends that I grew up with that, be, that are like, wow, man, I didn't know that happened to you. And I, and that explains a lot and, you know, and I, and I did it, I did it. And I, and I broke that, uh, you know, grew up a tough kid from, from central Massachusetts that didn't, didn't take stuff from anybody. Right. And so to get on that vulnerability piece, you know, is, I think is important because a lot of us, men don't do that um we just we we it's taboo we sweep it under the rug whatever and then now they have their success and now they get heart attacks they get sick they get cancer they get whatever and i'm not i'm not saying that's the reason but i'm saying if you suppress stress if you suppress some things that happened to you in the past and you're not willing to um work through it and understand it and recognize it and become aware then that changes so like that, those were my demons. I didn't I didn't face any of that stuff till a few years ago. But then since I have been able to make peace with my past and that's the first the first chapter in my book, and it's not peace with my past for all my missteps because there's plenty of those. But it's peace with my past for those who have wronged me, you know, and those who have hurt me really badly. It's I, I don't believe in calmer. rooting for bad karma against anybody because that's ill will and that's ill will you suppress and that's how that can come out in being sick and so I believe in forgiving those who have wronged you as well as yourself for your own missteps it's really hard to do and takes a lot of work coaching and therapy really really can make a difference (laughs) but so that that does take me now to the legacy piece where I do want to give back where I do want to make a difference where I do kind of want to make up for some of from some, maybe some of my missteps along the way in, in my journey.
1: The, the, I, I, I love the way you've just kind of outlined that and, and framed that. Uh, the clients I work with, when we talk about why, or in my language, the for the sake of what do I do what I do, or for the sake of what do I show up in the world, that's a, a living question. It's not a static question. And to the <laughs> point that you just illustrated here, it changes. And this, you know, for me, is, is really what the soul of anything is actually about. When I can tap into that soul, you know that, that, that piece of anything that gives it life, gives it expression, uh, by definition, its desire is to grow and to expand. By definition, that's what the soul of anything wants to do. It wants to have, do, and be more. So anytime I land on a static definition of who I am or who we are as a company, I've actually created the, uh, the, uh, the trap that will kind of hold me back because it's not a static definition. I have to be willing to revisit it. And this goes back to the whole notion of developing the capacity to continuously start over, part of which, in my experience, is asking the question, what's changed in my why? What's changed yeah. in my why? What yeah. wants to be expressed now? What wants to be expressed differently? You know, I, I was on a show the other day, and I was asked this question. It was a, 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 about mastering life. And mm-hmm. the question that was posed to me is, how do you actually master life? You know, art, yeah. And I don't think you master life. You master stages of consciousness. And once you've mastered yeah. a stage of consciousness, you're automatically moved up to a different level of consciousness. And in that move up to a different level of consciousness, you become more aware of more things. So different choices begin to appear. And I think this is how life actually uh, can be assembled. If we do it intentionally and deliberately, I stop worrying about being an ascended master and I just pay attention to where I'm at and master where I'm at. Without excuses. I have agency at this level of consciousness. Let's master this. And then next thing I know, I'm somewhere else. And I master that one, and yeah, that's the yeah. progression of life. Where you, know, you end up looking back, going, you know, legacy is important now. I hadn't thought about that before. What choices are in front of me? Where do I go with that? Yeah,
0: I think it's so important. Um, you know, I've I've confronted some of my demons, and you know, uh, that are that are you know that I could have easily have some ill will towards, and I, and I said, you know where's where's the piece of legacy you know do you want your tombstone to read your name and the date you lived and blank that's it no motto no nothing you stood for nothing right man and then, then that's that's where the impact comes in that's where the the significance comes in that's where the legacy comes in like
1: Absolutely. Do it for the greater
0: greater good. I mean, we will hear it all the time. You know, leave this world better than you came in, right? I mean, you know, yeah. let's not it's just take the space. Yeah, I get to live from that, yeah.
1: and that makes the whole. I mean, my kids, my grandkids, uh, the business folks that I work with, all that stuff. How do I make it? Let uh, you know. Wallace Waddles talks about in uh, the science of.
0: Uh, You're going to uh, Wallace Waddles, huh?
1: Oh boy. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Early 1900s there. Early 1900s. yeah. Be a center of distribution, not a center of accumulation here. You know, leave, leave people with the experience of increase and you do that. Well, you're going to have a pretty successful life. Yeah. Yeah. Bill, where can people find out more about what you're up to? I I know the book just dropped and again, the thriving in the storm, it's an Amazon uh, bestseller. Um,
0: where yeah um the it? the website is uh www.thrivinginthestorm.com we got uh, some workbooks and journals some of the things we 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 talked about in there some exercises that you can download um and then you could you could reach out all right
1: yeah email uh, contact information that sort of stuff's all there for you yeah uh, yep.
0: just go to that site
1: all right Folks have been listening to the Soul of business with Blaine Bartlett. Uh, my guest today has been Bill Murphy, uh, the author of uh, Thriving in the Storm. Pick the book up; uh, I you will not be disappointed. Uh, there are some jewels in there, some absolute pearls of wisdom, and it's actionable. It's not just a thinking piece; it, it's action. You know, there are some very specific, grounded you know five-step implementation plans, eight techniques. Uh, to help ensure you perform when facing adversity. You know, all of these things are in this book. So you know, do yourself a favor. Find a way to thrive in the storm that you experience in your life. And as you're listening to this, yeah, you know, my admonition always at the end is to find yourself ways, plural, to be a center of distribution. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about accumulation. That takes care of itself. Nature is about distribution. Been listening to the solar business, you can check out my website, blainbartlett.com. And there's all kinds of goodies on that site as well. Um, and I look forward to having you join us next week in our next episode. Take care. Thank you. That's it. Thank you. I didn't get to answer your soul question. I know I got I got wrapped up in the other stuff here. <laughs> I prepared for that one. I prepared
0: for that one. <laughs>
1: Well, let's tack it in. what maybe we'll do an outtake on it. What when you hear the soul of business, um, what comes to mind?
0: <laughs> That's a great question, Blaine. Thanks for asking. I, I wasn't expecting that. Um, so of business <laughs> podcast, right? So um, and this goes for business and life, right? So I think culture is, the most important thing. And, and, I, and I want I want to talk about that because we've all been at businesses and we've all had first jobs or we've all had corporate jobs or, we're, we're, or self-employed, right? And if you have a culture that doesn't align with what you're trying to do, you're going to be unhappy. And so I remember one of my first jobs in the mortgage space 25 years ago, I worked for a big bank. And I, I slowly in the first year became uh, a top producer. And I had a question um, to make things better in the office, to make things better. So I just like not knowing any better, I called the CEO of of the bank um, and I never got a response. And, I, and six months later, I got a canned email that said, congratulations on rookie of the year. And I think they misspelled my name, right? So like what I understood then is you can never call the CEO. You could never reach that person because yeah. you have to go through your immediate manager to the to the regional manager to the area manager to the to the to the uh, vice president to the executive VP to this to that. And maybe maybe you'll get a call in a month or an email in a month. And I just was like, that is not a way to do business. I've been with this. I've been with my company now, Fairway Mortgage, for fifteen years our ceo will, will go on a recruiting call and we have 11,000 people when i started we had 600 he never changed the culture and he said we'll never be we'll never be a hierarchy we'll always we'll always be a horizontal culture and yeah. that has always stuck with me and and i bring that into my into my family it's just like I, I'm not too good for, to do things with my kids. If I want them to do chores or anything, I'm going to, we need to do this together. We need to do this. Like you can take that in everything you do and just give that culture. And I just, I think that is this whole business too.
1: It is. And that's how you thrive in a storm is you make sure your culture, whether it's a family or an organization is set up for people to actually engage that way. Yeah. That's great.
0: I was prepared for that one.
1: <laughs> hey, I'll weave this in. I will. That's a great have to. I, I
0: just, it. I was just, I wanted to share with you because I was appreciating the question and I, I was, it got me, it was really thought provoking. And it was like, hmm, humility. There's, there's, there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of things, you know, have fun. There's all kinds of, I was thinking about core values. And I was like, you know what? It's culture, man.
1: It's culture. Perfect. Bill, thanks for that. Uh, yeah. Thank you. That will get included.
0: Thank you. This was uh, this was great. I really en- I really enjoy your podcast and listening to you and getting t- I've gotten to know you through the podcast, so I understood your personality. So it was pretty cool.